0: You have nothing to lose, and you want to play spoiler. So I just i I think it is way more. I think it's yeah. more likely they win two than win zero. Um, I think they'll ultimately probably just steal one. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. We are live here at Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill as we are each and every Thursday before Thursday Night Football. I'm joined as always by producer JT. You can follow on social media at JT underscore Runky JT. We, uh, finally- a little bit late today, a little bit of troubleshooting today. Yes. And we're, we look a little bit different if you're watching us we on YouTube, do. but it's because we had to uh, improvise, adapt, and overcome our circumstances.
1: Yes. We, as, as we always seem to, to have do, to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's cause it's the winter solstice or something like that. I don't know. It, it is it, the it's
0: shortest day of the year. Yeah. It's, it's, is it weirding you out? With the sun setting at like four fifteen. No,
1: I'm weird that way, and I like it. So. I know
0: you like it, but does it mess? Because with me, I like I look out my window. I'm it's my work day, and I see sundown, and then my brain goes time to be done with work today. But it's it's like oh wait no, it's four fifteen. It's not nighttime.
1: Yeah, I think I'm just a nocturnal creature. So <laughs> like, just, I, my production, my productivity ramps up. Are
0: you gonna re- are you gonna retire to like Anchorage in the winter? When, when it's yes. just no sunlight all the time, <laughs> yeah. seasonal depression as much as possible.
1: Yep, I think that's the case here.
0: Well, we appreciate everybody that's tuning in with us live today. We, of course, are previewing the Titans and the Seahawks coming up this Sunday at Nissan Stadium here in Nashville, a little Christmas Eve football, and we don't know who the quarterback is going to be for the Tennessee Titans, but we're going to talk about what it might look like for either of those guys. Should we get Will Levis? Should we get Ryan Tannehill? what that's going to mean for the Titans game plan. We're of course going to go through all of our regular Thursday activities, such as some stats and numbers that JT has for us. Some things we need to know ahead of this Christmas Eve matchup. Then we've got the news with producer JT and our favorite segment of the week, the best bet gauntlet week 16 edition. We continue to make truly an astonishing amount of money. We're having such success this year. We ended last year on such a high note. We were constantly saying, enjoy it now, because it's there's no way we do it again next year. There's no way we hit it this rate. And so far, we're managing to surpass that. So we're looking to keep that rolling this week. All that and more coming up. First of all, if you are with us live, we appreciate you tuning in. Do us a favor, a couple of things. First of all, if you're watching on TikTok, not TikTok, (laughs) not live on TikTok, Twitter or Facebook, head on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's where you're gonna find this live stream. And in the comment section, of that video is where you can be a part of today's conversation. Any thoughts, questions, comments you might have on the Titans versus the Seahawks, we'd love to hear from you today. And while you're there, hit subscribe on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. It is free to you and it's very helpful to us. So do us a favor, throw us a bone, hit that subscribe button and share the video with a friend. If you would be so kind, we're trying to get as many live eyeballs as this on this as humanly possible. Hit like, hit retweet on Facebook, on Twitter, all of those good things. Thank you in advance for doing that. And I got to tell you about our wonderful and amazing sponsor, Boomba's craft pizza and tap house, a fine pizza establishment. We love being here each and every Thursday, JT. I woke up this morning. Genuinely. The first thought that came into my brain was mm, I get to have Boomba's tonight. And I was, <laughs> I spent all day stoked looking forward to our, uh, at this point, traditional Thursday evening, one of my favorite days of the week. And, uh, that is, that is made possible by the, the fine people here at Boomba's and the fine, food and drink options they have of course we've got uh i keep forgetting who's playing them. the rams and the rams saints ram saints, saints. Which I, I think
1: could how can be, i
0: forget such an amazing matchup over and over
1: honestly like I could it be, be sneaky honest, good it could like be sneaky good like
0: bad good like two bad teams two mid teams
1: I don't know i mean would you, ra- little... would you rather have this or would you rather have the panthers bears all over again like i feel like we have to count our blessings wait here. Like, sure sure there, there are actual like players i want to watch
0: there there were worse there were worse matchups that we had to, to suffer through this year um but there were certainly better um but we're going to enjoy it nonetheless we've got a couple of guys here that we're going to be hanging out with this evening we appreciate them coming through and you could do the same come on out to Boombas craft pizza and tap house here in spring hill about 20 25 minutes out of town. If you're in the Nashville area, very easy drive down 65. And we would love to hang out with you at the bar, watching the game. We'll get you a drink. We'll get you a bite. It'll be a good time. Just come on out. We'd love to see you. Okay. JT, I know today you've got some numbers for us to run down. Unfortunately, we reached the portion of the season with this Titans team where there isn't a ton to talk about uh, in terms of matchup preview. It's, you know, we, it's a known. Commodity, would continue to beat the this team is bad horse into its grave further and further. Um, But we we do have some new thoughts on this game. And the fact that we don't know who's playing quarterback is lending itself to the intrigue around this one. But let's start with some numbers that you have for us um, on some individual players in this matchup.
1: Yeah, we can first start just on more of a historical note. This this game this week against the Seattle Seahawks on Christmas Eve will be the 200th Titans game ever played in Nissan Stadium. So how about that? How about that for a little bit of a milestone? I don't That's know. a lot of games. It's a lot of games, and I don't know if it really means anything. But it's, I, it know.
0: doesn't mean anything. Um, I was not at the first game. My dad was at that first game.
1: Were you even alive um, at that
0: first game? <laughs> yeah, I, we were. We were both barely alive. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think we were paying attention to football, but yeah, we were around. Not. We were around and uh, it was really good when they started and then things got not so good and then things got better and then now they're trending back in the yeah. other direction. But wow. hopefully they don't, as long as we don't have to, end, I mean, you and I won't be in this media market if we have to endure the 2010 to 2015 Titans, the uh, the Dark Ages. If that happens, we'll be moving to another market, yeah. I think. But <laughs> um, sure. as long as Will Levis continues to show us some things and as long as Mike Vrabel is still around, I I do have faith that we're going to avoid some truly dark years, uh, but 200 games. That's a big one.
1: Yeah. And, uh, with that, we can talk about the Titans defense this, this past couple of weeks and how they've been a true bright spot on this team. Um, the Titans have sacked the quarterback 16 times since week 12. It's tied third most in the NFL where on the other side of the ball here, the Seattle Seahawks quarterbacks have been sacked 13 times since week 12, which is tied fifth most in the NFL. And one big guy who's been filling in the gap while Je- uh, Jeffrey Simmons and, and a lot of guys have been down is Nico Autry, who, despite being ha- the old age of 33 or so, <laughs> about to um, say.
0: father time is terrified of Nico. <laughs> Autry.
1: Um, he continues to be so productive. It's wild. how He's much tied he still for has. fourth in most individual sacks from week 12 to week 16. He's tied with Montez Sweat. Um, for five total sacks there. And then he is even beating some of the best, like TJ Watt and Nick Bosa, who only have 4.5 individual sacks during that period. Danico Autry has been really, really solid on this this, uh, defensive line. And he's really working himself into demanding another contract from, if not the Titans, some other team.
0: Yeah, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, because we'll dive into all of this in the offseason. But with Autry, I'm fascinated to see what kind of number the market um, his market value demands because if if he was doing what he was doing and was three years younger than he was, he would demand a, a pretty significant pay raise from where he currently is. Yes. Um, but the question is, you know, the Titans gave him this number three or I think this is his third year of his contract. I think he had a three-year yes. contract three or four years ago. They gave him this contract, decided to pay him this amount of money coming off of uh, his time with the Colts and i would argue that on production alone he has earned himself a pay raise but does that production outweigh the the literal years of his life the miles on his tires that he has accumulated in the 3 or 4 years i don't know it's it's kind of it's a rare circumstance in terms of a, a player in free agency to have somebody that has gotten demonstrably better but has also gotten to the point where their age is a significant concern but but at this age this kind of player he, Think about the best players at this position in their early to mid thirties. Typically when they're still peaking like this, it's like, man, he's you know, JJ Watt, he's awesome out there, um, when he's healthy, but he just, you know, he can't stay on the field. That's not the case with Autry. He's on the field and he's doing the things yep. all the time, uh, at the ripe old age of 33 in NFL years. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. I know that the Titans should do everything in their power to keep him because he's a really fantastic And versatile player on their defense um and he's like like a heart and soul guy at this point really but it wouldn't shock me if some desperate team out there decided to bring him in as their veteran presence and overpay and and price the titans out so that'll be something to keep an eye on in the offseason
1: yeah and i think i agree with you although he also did express interest in saying how much he loved the city and loved this team over the past three years and would like to continue playing once again like with, with that production, I mean, during this last couple of weeks, he's been good all season, double-digit sacks this year. But in this, I mean, he is up there with some of the best right now, Trey Hendrickson, TJ Watt, Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack, Josh Allen, all these guys up here. And then you have Danico Autry, the old man right here, <laughs> uh, along with some other guys, and it's it's just been very incredible for him. Another interesting thing that I think is worth noting in, in this matchup specifically is, is how these teams – um, could look to start this game this week. Um, and the Titans have been one that, that has started fast, as we've talked about. They they start fast. And then in the second half, they, they cease to exist. But the Titans- How about scored... the third
0: drive? You're being very generous by <laughs> saying am. second half. The um, third or fourth drive, it starts to fall apart. But
1: the Titans have scored 14.2 points per game in the first half since week 12 that is tied ninth best in the nfl while the seattle seahawks have allowed 17 points per game during the first half since week 12 which is the second worst in the nfl so could this be a a situation where (laughs) the titans just uh score a bunch of points and then they can continue to be bad in the second half that's what i was going to say
0: to some that might be an encouraging number Uh, to me that just reeks of okay so it's going to be the exact same song and dance we've seen where this team gets out to a one-two-three score lead in the first couple of drives, which is great, and then everybody in the world who knows this team watches and says, "Here they go. They're going to slowly start to let it slip away. Will it? You know, will they be able to hang on for dear life and and win in an underwhelming fashion at the end, or will they lose in predictable fashion in the end?" And and I, I don't know the answer to that question, um, but I that's one of the things and we're going to we're going to dive into a little bit what we're looking to see from this team like what is there to to garner from these next 3 games these next 3 weeks for them now that they are out of the playoff race now that there's uncertainty at the quarterback position that's one of those things for me can this team show the ability to not just succeed later in the game but a lot was made this week after their performance last Sunday, you know, they can't, man, this team can't adjust at halftime. This team can't make in-game adjustments. Is that on the coaching staff? Is that a result of the players just not being talented enough to make those adjustments? We talked about it with James Foster on Wednesday's show, uh, which I thousand percent guarantee uh, you will enjoy. If you, I recommend going and listening to that one. If you haven't one of our best shows of the year for my money. Um, but we, 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 we dove into that. And I think it's an interesting, Discussion to have. Can this team show the ability to play strong early and trend in the right direction throughout the course of the game as opposed to slowly letting things slip away?
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And, um, like you said, hanging on to a thread is something that this Titans defense, most specifically the secondary, is going to have to do this week because with, with, the Seattle team, some good
0: receivers on this. You team. do
1: have some good receivers in sure. one in which you made a little bit of a compilation this past week during the Monday night football game that kind of caught some little, traction little comparison. Yeah. Um, caught the eye of rich Eisen today as, as amongst other people. Did uh, it? Yeah. Oh yeah. You didn't see that. No. Okay. Anyways. Um, That's cool. <laughs> um, hey, Rich, uh, Seattle wide receivers versus the, the Titans cornerbacks. It was a total mismatch today um, in which the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers have had, Uh, an average of 171.4 receiving yards per game this season, which is ninth best in the NFL. Whereas the Titans have averaged uh, 175 receiving yards per game allowed to wide receivers, which puts them at fifth (laughs) worth in the NFL um, with the emergence kind of, of, um, guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then uh, of course the staples of DK Metcalf and and, uh, Tyler Lockett. Is there any way that, that this Titans team can really look to limit some of those guys?
0: Yeah. Drop eight. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just just don't ever stack the box. Uh, You're going to, I mean, in all seriousness, we, we've seen them in the past couple of weeks, put on impressive performances by their standard, which is the very, very important qualifier. Um, we saw them play a good a good game in the secondary against Miami. Though it helped that Tyreek Hill was a semi-factor in that game and wasn't able to play at 100 for most of it. But nonetheless, they I mean, they've got without Tyreek on that team, there still were plenty of fast, talented guys that the Titans kept in check. It the 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 straw that stirs this defense's drink and and has all year, and I think has allowed them to have more secondary success. Success is not the word I want. Less failure for the secondary, should we say, uh, in recent weeks is the fact that that pass rush is is back to their effective ways. You know, it felt like for the entirety of the midseason for this team, the pass rush was non-existent and it was hanging the secondary out to dry. And this is the last secondary in the NFL that you want to hang out to dry in that way. Um, Now that you've got guys like Arden Key and Danico Autry and and, uh, Harold Landry in particular playing at a, a, a more consistent higher level. That is a force multiplier for the, the back end of this defense. And it's allowing guys like Sean Murphy Bunting and Roger McCreary and this sneaky impressive safety group that I think has gone kind of under the radar. I was talking with Zach Lyons on a football show, another show here on the Four Forty network earlier today, filling in for our buddy Braden, about how the the grouping of Elijah Molden and Kayvon Wallace, a guy that was brought in midseason, and folks are starting to raise an eyebrow out, like this this cat's got something, and I think that he he deserves to be brought back because. He has been really lights out in the past couple of weeks. Um, so you got Molden, you got Kayvon Wallace, and you've got Amani Hooker back there. The three of them are actually playing better as a group than this safety group was playing with Kevin Bayard earlier in the season before the Titans traded him. Well. That, that's not to say that it's necessarily a result of them getting rid of the weak link or anything, um, but they are playing more consistent and it's helping out big time. Mostly, in my opinion, limiting the explosives, because that's the big thing. Early in the season, we saw the secondary consistently getting burnt over and over, letting the defenders get behind them and allowing explosive plays. They are allowing plenty of catches, and they're allowing teams, especially between the 20s, to march up and down the field, passing the ball. But they're not getting caught over the top, and that's a credit to the safeties in large part, doing their job and keeping the the ball in front of them. Um, and then allow. I think kind of realizing, hey, I don't know why, but our red zone defense is literally the best in the league. Let's try to lean on that because we're not a great coverage unit as a whole. So let's just keep the ball in front of us. If they get in the red zone, cool, fine. Have your three points. We're not going to let you get in the end zone, and that's how we're going to try to win games. And it's worked with moderate success. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say it's worked great. No, yeah. it hasn't. It's worked <laughs> with moderate success in recent weeks.
1: The, the bend don't break sometimes bends you know but but sometimes it, it is also broken it's
0: mostly times. bending it's yes. occasionally breaking
1: um and then finally both of these teams well at least historically uh have been good rushing teams late into the season um as the titans and seattle uh seahawks are average as opposed base, to that other Seattle as, team as, <laughs> a, um, average the most uh, rushing yards in December and January per game since t- uh, 2018 where the the Titans in recent years have averaged 153.2 rushing yards a game and the Seattle Seahawks average 147.5 a game since uh, 2018 in those two months you
0: Obviously, know why that is the titans in recent years have been a dominant running team all year yes and the seahawks are a good running team who would always get their running backs all murdered in the first four weeks and then they'd be healthy and come back in time for december that's uh, anecdotally that feels like what it has been it's like every year the seahawks running back is dead and then it comes back around the end of the year and it's like wow they can run the ball and they have their guy back yeah
1: and i think but they have their guys they do, they do have, have their, their guys. guys right now and i feel like this is a tale of one team which may look to continue this trend with two very healthy guys uh in ken walker and zach charbonnet and another side where due to just the the um the downfall i want to say just not the downfall but just like the the taking off of derrick henry right now um in how in his older
0: sure the uh, the yeah so we we talked a long time about this on a football show today and uh to not to spend 30 minutes rehashing everything we said, but we we dove into how we I think everybody agrees Derrick Henry is not nearly as good as he was. This this run game in terms of blocking is certainly not nearly yes. as good as it was, but I think both of them individually are demonstrably better than they look together. Mm-hmm. They are we've heard you know, you've heard of force multipliers. I think Derrick Henry Plus, this offensive line in particular is a force divider. Yes. Um, that because Henry, who was, you know, at his at his peak, a do-it-all traditional back. You, you could you could have him do whatever, regardless of the circumstances. He could make up for any deficiencies. He's no longer that guy. He's lost a little bit of a step. And so he still has a, a high-level elite skill set, but it's limited, right? That's that skill set is if you get this guy five or six steps untouched allow him to get a head full of steam and he's rambling downfield. He will get up to a top speed that is unreasonably high for his size and weight, allowing him to run over guys and, and, and reach Pater. The issue is his acceleration has taken a significant hit and his ability because of this offensive line to get those steps in untouched is not only is it diminished, it just doesn't really exist anymore. Right. Um, and so, while you, you you see the difference between Henry and Spears, Spears, take last game, for example, wasn't having great success. I think just at three yards per carry, right? But the difference is that kind of back can make up for a little bit the deficiencies of a bad pass blocking unit by getting to the edge quickly, accelerating quickly, being slippery and smaller and finding small creases and, and getting upfield. That's the kind of more, I think, in today's modern NFL like that's uh, i think your average back looks more like spears than henry yes. obviously and that's why i say this pass blocking unit albeit a bad one they are better than they look when they have henry behind them because they aren't built for henry i'm reusing another analogy that i used a couple weeks ago but the 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 scene from apollo 13 right when they say we've got to fit this square air filter in this round air filter hole and all we have is this, and they gesture to a table of duct tape and WD-40 and toothpicks and toothpaste. Like That's what you're trying to do offensively from a scheme standpoint with this run game. That's what Tim Kelly's impossible task is recently, trying to make a Derrick Henry square filter fit into a this offensive line round hole. It's just not compatible. Um, and, and all of that being said, the Seattle team is bad defending the run. So maybe, maybe you see a little bit of a, not vintage is strong, a more traditional Derrick Henry running game because they aren't great at defending the run. Um, if that is the case, good. I, I I would love for if this is the end for Derrick Henry in Tennessee, him to at least in one of these last three games, have one of those like, there it is. That's That's the one we can end on right there. I'm pessimistic that it'll happen. But if it does, this is because they've got Houston and Jacksonville left besides the Seattle team. Both of those teams have significantly better run defending units than the Seattle team. It feels like it's now or never for one of those games.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And those are our uh, kind of notes for the game and kind of stats that could define a couple of the games.
0: So I have one more one more thing I want to discuss before we get into the news today. A little bit of a shorter episode because, again, there's not a whole lot to talk about with this team. Um, the main preview point, which we've kind of buried the lead on, what's the quarterback situation going to look like? And we've heard different things from folks in and around the building this week. Of course, will Levis dealing with what was initially reported to be a high ankle sprain. He's since gone on the radio and talked to us in the media pool on Wednesday about how he would describe it as a rolled ankle and not a high ankle sprain. I'm not positive what the mechanics are on that and what the difference is clearly to him in his mind. He thinks there is a difference. Um, and he claims that he's played through both. And he claims that this is the the right mentality. In my opinion, if I can get out there and play, I'm going to get out there and play. So it wouldn't shock me if he plays in this game. Um, if it's up to him, I think that he will play. I don't know if it's going to be up to him or not. I I think that the coaches and this team are going to be more, they're going to air more on the cautious side with him in this one, simply because he is the future of this team, simply because, they don't want a situation where he and I can't really envision a situation where they're concerned he could further injure himself along the same lines of his current injury that would keep because what's you think what's the worst that could happen he gets hurt and then he has seven months off to recover um you just want to avoid the kind of injury where you're worried about his movement abilities for the rest of his career Mm -hmm. you know what I mean um and that that likely comes in the form of something that's not just a simple ankle injury, but when you can't protect yourself back there, all of those injuries suddenly are on the table and that's what they're going to be concerned about. And so they've talked a lot this week about how it's going to be. I mean, Mike Ribble has confirmed it will be Ryan Tannehill. If Levis can't go, if you asked me right this second gun to my head, who's going to play? I think it's probably 60, 65% Tannehill, 30, 35% Uh, 40, 35% good math. Uh, will Levis. That's kind of the, the vibe I've gotten from folks in the know. Um, it's still a work in progress. We didn't not to give away your news, but we didn't see Levis working out today again, out there on the field. Um, Friday, of course, being the big day Thursdays, a lot of guys take off. So you take that with a grain of salt, but he hasn't practiced once this week. Tim Kelly did tell us today. That he doesn't necessarily have to practice practice in order for him to have confidence in Will's ability to go out there and execute a game plan. So whether he plays or practices tomorrow or not will be telling, but I don't think it's the final straw. Um let's discuss what it would look like either way. And, and a lot of folks have been wondering why would you roll Ryan Tannehill out there if if Levis can't go, why Tannehill over Willis? Um I think the primary concern or the, the primary reason that a lot of folks aren't a fan of that is because you feel like you're more likely to win that game. If Ryan Tannehill is out there Um, and, and people are rightfully in full tank mode at this point. Yes, that I think that is absolutely fair. Ryan Tannehill being in the lineup makes it more likely for you to steal a win here or there. Let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. I will be genuinely shocked if they don't win at least one of these last three games. That is not because I think they should win. That is not because I want them to win. That is not even necessarily because I think there's great reason on paper for them to win. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. It's the fact that Mike Vrabel is still the coach of this team. I know that this team in the locker room is still bought into him. And I know that they are the kind of group that would love to is loving to play spoiler. And they've got three teams in a row here that all are on that playoff fringe, playoff hopeful area, the perfect kind of team to play at the end of the year when you don't have anything to play for and you have nothing to lose and you want to play spoiler. So I just, I, I think it is way more, I'll tell you this. I think it's more likely they win two of these last three than it is that they lose all of these last three. I, I, did, I, did I say that right? I think, let me, did I say win? Yeah, I think yeah. it's more likely they win two than win zero. Um, I think they'll ultimately probably just steal one. I don't know when that's going to come. But just prepare yourself. Those of you that are very anal about the, the draft position, um, I would I would bake in one more win. Maybe, maybe you get lucky and they lose another home overtime, or, you know, the regression of luck gets them. But that being said, here's the basic math on Tannehill playing for this team. Obviously, they want to win and they feel that he is going to be more um, conducive to them winning. But the analogy that I used on a football show today was this team is, has been in full find out mode, right? We're trying to evaluate. Each and every person on this team to get the best, clearest picture for us as to who we want to keep and who we want to move on from this offseason. And because of that, Ryan Tannehill is the 10th grade chemistry control that you put into your, you know, your experiment that allows you to evaluate the other elements, right? And so you you put Tannehill in there. You know what he is. You know what he'll do. He's got a rapport with a lot of the players on this team. He's going to allow you to, in my opinion, he's going to allow you to get a better sense from an evaluation, from an analysis standpoint of what you've got in these last three weeks with Traylon Burks, with Chica Conquo, with Tajay Spears, with Derrick Henry, with Kyle Phillips, if he sees the field again, with guys like Chris Moore, who you may or may not be around next year. All of that is, is a, a, an easier evaluation for us. If you put Statue Tannehill in there that you know what he's going to do you know he's gonna stand in there and take a hit. He's gonna he's not gonna bail from clean pockets. You know, you're gonna get to evaluate your offensive linemen who you're trying to figure out who shouldn't shouldn't stay because Tannehill's not gonna run around back there and make life difficult or easier on them. It's gonna be very vanilla, very basic. If you put Willis out there, it it we've seen this. It it becomes kind of muddy in terms of evaluating what you've got. And so besides the fact that he's more likely to help them win. He's easier to evaluate. It's also the third reason is it is it is something that he's going to want to do because he's a competitor and because he wants to raise his free agency stock that is coming up quickly as much as he can. The, the, the note that he left everybody on, it, not necessarily to any fault of his own in that Baltimore game, is a bad one, right? He throws that interception, one that he couldn't step into all the way in London against Baltimore, and then we haven't seen him since. That's not what he wants to end on. He doesn't want from a romantic standpoint, you don't want to end your time in Tennessee that way. And you certainly don't want that to be the last thing you have on tape for teams that you're trying, they're going to try to court you uh, this offseason, and you're trying to get some money. The downside risk there is given the state of this offensive line, somehow it has gotten worse from what it was then. <laughs> it's certainly not gotten better. Uh, you've got some weapons in and out of the lineup here and it, it wouldn't shock me if he came back and got himself killed again or made himself look really bad again, not to necessarily any fault of his own, but because the situation is so barren. So I, I was asked on a football show today, do I care who they play? The answer is not really, not really. If you, if I, you, mean, I, personally if I had my preference, t- yeah. I would prefer Tannehill. I would, too. but if you saw, I like, I, I saw some folks on the internet today being like, well, you need to, you need to figure out what you have in Malik Willis. <laughs> Where have you been, man? What do you mean, need to figure? That's been figured out, boss. Like, we got that part. We got that down. I mean, just
1: from a more entertaining game, I think I want Ryan Tannehill out there because, I mean, seeing it firsthand in London, to see Malik Willis just sometimes take two seconds and immediately fold and take another sack is just not something I want to watch. Well,
0: or stand in there and read 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 and then get murdered. And it's like, you got to throw the ball. Somewhere, it's a lot but more it's, frustrating. I like it's
1: a more entertaining game. And I think that, that obviously is in the hands of Ryan Tannehill.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, Elliot in the comments asking thoughts on letting your opponents start their drives on the 20. I, I see just eliminating the, the bend portion of the, of the, of the defense True, yeah. and just go right to the break part. <laughs> uh, that's I'll run that by the coaches next time I see them, Elliot. That's well, that's well done. Um, it could save, I think it'd save them a lot of time. I think it could save them some time. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, that's kind of all I have on this game. Do we want to get to some news and then the gauntlet? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What do we got in the news today?
1: Alrighty. We once again have the Tennessee Titans injury report, which I referred to yesterday on Twitter as a CBS, CBS receipt, receipt sure uh, of, of some sorts. Let's talk about the guys. I'm just going to list them all off because there's no great way of doing this. Um, Let's talk about the guys who have not practiced yet uh, this week, both on Wednesday and Thursday. And here we go. Center Aaron Brewer with an ankle injury. Wide receiver Traylon Burks with dealing with an illness. Both linebackers Jack Gibbons and Luke Gifford with a back and hamstring, respectively.
0: (laughs) Don't ask me who's going to play linebacker because I don't know.
1: Safety Amani Hooker with a knee injury. Will Levis with that ankle. TK McClendon with a shoulder. Sean Murphy Bunting with a hip. Jeffrey Simmons with a knee, Kayvon Wallace with a quad, and Trayvon Wesco with a shin injury. Is there anything to take out of any of these guys as you look back down the list? And while you look at that, I'll also note that yes, we we are a little bit a little bit late to the news as this broke yesterday. But Nicholas or Nick westbrook right. Um, injury hand injury uh, has landed him on injured reserve. He is done for the season. Um, that was,
0: was a, surprising. Cause we don't know yeah. I, I, as far as I'm aware, uh, we finished still, the game. we still, yeah, we he finished the game. We still don't know what the nature of that injury was. Obviously it's one that's going to shut him down for the year mm-hmm. just to kind of close the chapter on him. I think Titans fans should absolutely be hoping that he's brought back at the right price. Um, he's a useful player, man. And he's had for my money, his best season to date this year. He's been a great he's, story, he is very, man. it's a great story. And he got too much flack early on in his career frankly, because as a UDFA, he was forced too quickly, uh, really just at all into a a situation that he shouldn't have been put in in the first place, having some, there were more than one game in his career in which he was wide receiver one, which is, that's not, that's not uh, compatible with success. Yeah, no, that's not good. Um, As a wide receiver three, four, five option, you can do so much worse than Nick Westbrook-Akine, and he's got report, this team, and he, will be the guy that they want to keep around because of the way that they like to run the ball and his physicality. And it, it's just, there's there's not a negative thing you can say about him besides the fact that he just has a limited ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, as a contested catch player in terms of his length, in terms of his speed and separation ability, there are limits there, but they're not so limiting as to not wanting him on the team anymore. And I think that it's, it's a good thing that he can't, because we weren't sure. I mean, do you remember, he wasn't brought back on his contract last year. The Titans essentially told him, Go then, find go yeah. find a job. Good luck. Let us know what you find. He comes crawling back. Comes back, back
1: from $1.4 million and people were angry about that. Right, how so. dare you <laughs> get a bar- bargain
0: on NWI? Unbelievable, yeah. you're bringing him back. So I think that that's a good thing. As far as the rest of the laundry list here of guys, it's impossible to really have an, a, a strong opinion because, again, so much of this is rest-related, in my opinion. So much of it will be determined by tomorrow's injury report. The guys that, if they were to not play you start to get really concerned. I'll focus on the guys that have not practiced either day. If Aaron Brewer can't go, it's not the end of the world because he's not been playing super great. And you've got guys like Corey Levin on the roster who can step in and be serviceable on an already bad offensive line. Um, Burke's not practicing with an illness is annoying simply because like, he's a guy that we would really like to see from an evaluation standpoint in these last three games. It's good that it's an, an illness and hopefully he can just get over that quickly. Um, who well, so else, Hooker? If you it, not to wish him away, but him not being out there wouldn't be at the end of the world. Again, from my perspective, because it would mean I get to see more of Kayvon Wallace, and I want to see if he's real or not. um Sean Murphy Bunting not being out there is a big one because mm-hmm. that means you're going to see a lot more Trey Avery. You're going to see a lot more Eric Garer, and that is not other, something you necessarily want. Coin,
1: you need Kayvon Wallace to actually play. Oh, is he on here too? Dad <laughs> Wallace also. So needs he's got a quad. To, okay,
0: so um, here's the issue. If, this week. If, so if, if Hooker and Wallace are both out. Um,
1: the point. Of the, Elijah
0: Molden better get that cardio up, and everybody else. I don't know. I don't know who else is gonna the, play the position. The, the
1: point of the story is, man. We, we, tomorrow's injury report is the big one here. I think. Yeah. It's, um, speaking
0: of of breaking news here, because Seattle is a West Coast yes. team, I literally just got the Seattle side of this, yep. so I can read that out. Um, they've got. I mean, this is the first time the PDF that I've received is two pages long. <laughs> um, so is that,
1: I have to- is that a first ever?
0: I don't think so. It's first this season. It's yep. the first one this season that is like that. Um, But some guys that are notable, D Eskridge, one of their wide receivers has not practiced this week. Ken Walker with a shoulder did not practice either day. Jamal Adams is kind of a unique situation, but he's not practiced. Rookie uh, cornerback, Devon Witherspoon with a hip has not practiced. Julian Love, the guy who made the game ceiling interception on Monday night football. He has been not practicing for personal reasons. So no reason to believe that he won't be out there. seeing everything's all right in his world um who else on here of in I think you got to
1: the big ones Abe Lucas
0: Abe yeah. Lucas or not yeah the, the the tackle um with a knee is limited today so if he's not out there that's the big that's licking yeah. time for the the Titans pass rush but it sounds like he's trending towards playing uh no Bobby Wagner but he's resting Frank Clark with an illness didn't practice Noah Fant Evan Brown okay yeah so the, the biggest name on there is Abe Lucas well, um,
1: I think the biggest there is Abe Lucas, and then also Devin Witherspoon, right. as Well, yep. um, along with uh, Ken Walker, uh, three guys that Those are the three who have not practiced yet this week, who are big time to watch tomorrow. But the other one on the other side, Gino Smith has logged two full practices. As yep. as uh, Pete Carroll said earlier this week, he will be the quarterback this weekend. Um, is
0: that not a little bit underwhelming? Like I kind of want, I kind of want to give me more lock mania. Like I. I wanted i I needed to see one of these in (laughs) Nissan stadium on sunday and i don't i might have to just look at the sideline which is upsetting but uh what else we got in the news today yeah
1: two other things here um as you noted yesterday the titans signed linebacker garrett wallow from houston's practice squad so that could be an answer to your question who will play linebacker this weekend for the team um and then also kind of a, a a fun story is caleb farley returns to practice sure the past two days he's been out there at least um playing as as a player on the other team if for practice purposes, but it's good to see him out there. Um, your thoughts on him returning? Well,
0: we've only gotten the question, when is Caleb probably returning all year? So it's <laughs> nice to finally say now, guys, the answer is now. I, I figured it would come eventually. Um, we're going to ask, that's going to be the number one thing that, that those of us in the media are going to the Titans facility tomorrow for is to ask Mike Vrabel, what's, you know, what's his availability situation? Everybody else that has been asked about him this week so far has said, ask Mike, and we've not had a chance to do that. Since we knew that he was back out there practicing, I don't think that he's going to play. He's still healing up, um, his nerves are still his back, you know, spinal cord situation. Um, he's still healing up from uh, another back surgery that he had the most recent one from this offseason. And he said, um, I think it either today or yesterday, he said to somebody in the media pool that he he's back out there practicing and it, he, he feels healthy. But he does feel like a bird with clipped wings is the word, the way that he described it. He's still trying to get some of that quick twitch back and confidence in his ability to move at full strength. And so because of that, I don't think he'll be a factor. But I would love for him to be out there at least sometime before the end of the season. Not holding my breath on that, but it would be nice to see uh, whether or not they can get him out there. Uh, But this week, I I would not I would not count those chickens just yet.
1: And that's going to do it for our new segment. All right. That's
0: producer JT with the news. and That means we've just got one last thing to get to today. Our favorite segment of the week, the best spec gauntlet week 16 edition. JT, I'm I'm currently operating off my phone. I don't have it in front of me. What are our record updates for the year? And then we can dive into our picks this week.
1: Yeah. So, Easton, you are currently. Let's see. You are. Getting up there now. You, you are now 11 games over 500, which is great from earlier this season at 46, 35, and four. And I am 50, 31, and three. Which
0: 19 puts, games over 500. Which
1: puts our overall record to 96, 66, and seven, which puts us at 59.2% on the year.
0: Can't, you, you can't, can't ask even, for better than that. can't, can't, can't ask for better yep. than that. Nearly 60% on the year. We're looking to keep that rolling this week. And because you once again had a four in one week last week, I am up first with my first pick of the week 16 best bet gauntlet. Give me the Baltimore Ravens plus five and a half. They are on the road at San Francisco. This is easily the game of the week. I believe it's Sunday night football, uh, yeah. Monday, night. Football. Monday, oh, it's Christmas. Christmas night football, yep. man, my, you know what? Uh, an advanced apology to my family who I will be ignoring on <laughs> Christmas night. Um, I will be watching this yes, game intently. I think that this number is just too big. This screams field goal game to me. I think that uh, Baltimore has the better team on defense and on special teams. They don't have the better offense, but they can absolutely hang um, as I'm floundering here for the notes that I studiously wrote down on this game and then have not pulled up. Uh, this, This game feels to me like the moment when Brock Purdy's MVP case is either locked in or... He finally gets scratched off the ballot. I would love for it to be scratched off the ballot because I, we could spend the whole episode on that. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not buying that. Um, but San Francisco is likely to miss some key defensive players in this one. Last week, they allowed Arizona sneaky, they allowed Arizona to run for eight yards per carry on them. They are very run onable, and this Ravens team will happily oblige.
1: Especially if Javon Hargrave and a couple of those guys miss it once again. Bingo. On, the, on that front. Bingo, uh, bingo. Defensive line. Yeah, I mean,
0: San Francisco's defense allowed think, 28, 27, 29 points. 20-something points to, to an Arizona team. Um, I think the Baltimore is capable of scoring 30-plus on this defense as long as they don't have a unprecedentedly bad performance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to be the best team that San Francisco faces in a long while if you look at the teams that they've played recently. Um, I, I'm also just generally going to be taking these games AFC contenders over NFC contenders just because I, of the, the the disparity between the two conferences in my opinion San Francisco this year they are one and two against the rest of the AFC North so against the Browns Bengals and Steelers they're one and two I think the Ravens make it one and three at the very least I see this ending on a field goal five and a half is way too big so give me Baltimore plus five and a half
1: yep I like that pick I think it's the best pick of the week mostly because how can you not Take Lamar Jackson. He's 15 and one in his last 16 games against the NFC right there. Pretty simple. And so naturally, I'll
0: go four and one, and that'll be the one on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) Of course. Uh, With my first pick here, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two and a half against my Cincinnati Bengals. (laughs) A Mike Tomlin spot. Yeah, I mean, it it is, you got to do it sometimes. I've done it before against this Bengals team. I'm doing it once again. This number has been floating between two and a half and three. If I can get it at three, I'd love it there. I'm also taking it at two and a half. This is truly just a, I I'm selling on Jake Browning. I think it comes to an end here as he, um, well, he's his,
0: played the Steelers team played, once this year and he, it was easily his worst game.
1: Yes. Um, but the Steelers after allowing 30 points or more under Mike Tomlin are 26, 10 and one against the spread. It's the second best of any coach. The Steelers are also 43, 28 and one under Tomlin after failing to cover in their last game by seven points or more. Um, Steelers also off a loss of, by double digits or 22 and 12 uh, against the spread under Tomlin. They're a divisional home dog. Um, auto play. It's an autoplay auto for, for Mike Tomlin. I'm taking the Steelers.
0: Yep. I'm, I'm with you on that bet. Um, we saw it get to three earlier today. If you're wanting to hang around and play a little risky, maybe, maybe wait to see if you get a three again before game day, but I would keep an intent eye on it because if it, if it pops, it's not going to stick uh, with my second bet of the week 16 best bet gauntlet. I'm taking Atlanta, this, this team, it's, it, this is me catching a fall, trying to catch a falling knife in the Atlanta Falcons. Um, the culture are frauds, we've been talking about this. They're, they're going to be a team that if they get into the playoffs, are going to meet a rather unceremonious end. they've been getting away with some things recently. Now it sounds like they're getting Pittman back. It's, it's crazy how concussion protocol suddenly becomes a suggestion at the end of the year. Um, it's it, yeah, you know, nobody comes back all September, all October, all November, the week after a bad concussion. But then I've seen like three such instances this week for teams that are desperately trying to like, it just, it, it, it's all a joke. People, people, we just, we bend the rules. Um, That's the NFL for you. That being said, if they get Pittman back and Taylor, um, all of those guys were questionable. They still technically are questionable, but trending in the right direction. I still think that this Atlanta team stock is too low in the market. That game last week, it, it, it pushed the perception um, too negatively, in my opinion. They, they were playing outside in horrendous conditions. They still should have won the game, if not for Ritter actively handing that win away to the Panthers. They're going to be back indoors. They're going to be back at home. It's going to be Heineke instead of Ritter, which is a minor upgrade, in my opinion. The Colts, for their part, this is more a bet against the Colts, really, than a bet on Atlanta the last two months they've been on this hot streak. And you've probably seen graphics on social media about how besides the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, the Colts at five and one are the hottest team in the, in the last six weeks or whatever. I've seen a number of variations of that statistic and it's true. However, when you dive into what they've actually done in the past two months or so, they've beaten Tennessee twice, Carolina, new England, and Germany in a game in which they got outgained by a hundred yards and won because new England threw it away, uh, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. They've not beaten anybody. Their turnover margin in those games, 13 to 5. And they've been outgained in four of the six games. They are frauds. Wow. Minshew is due for some some uh turnover regression. I love what Steichen's doing. He's he's performing magic tricks every week. I think that it the magic runs out in this one. I think Atlanta gets a they're the more desperate team here, in my opinion. At home, they're playing for their division. Arthur Smith playing for his job. Give me Atlanta to win outright. Uh minus two and a half. I think they win by a field goal.
1: Yeah, with my next pick here, uh, once again, not going a week without betting the Tennessee Titans game. But I feel like at this recently, point, we just have to finish we, up. We got to we gotta do it. Um, but at the same time, if you've noticed, I think we're like on a three game losing streak when betting we are the, the Titans game. Yeah. I think it's because we, we're just so ingrained with this Titans team. We kind of psych ourselves out. And just We're too
0: like, close. So All we yeah. see are the trees and we can't see the forest. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: However, I think that. This trend bucks this week. Uh, okay. I'm taking Seattle minus two and a half. I locked this in earlier this week. The, right, um, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, mostly because I thought this was going to happen. And now the line is three and a half in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. I like them still underneath the field goal here. Um, this, this Titans team just continues to throw away games, especially in the <laughs> second half. Um, and Seattle, which is a second-half team, coming off a huge win. Some people might think this is a letdown spot for them. I think the momentum for them is only just beginning right now. They're getting back healthy. This is a team who uh, earlier in the season just kind of didn't put it all together, but this is where Pete Carroll really starts to get his team going, especially with them very much in the the playoff race. They have a lot to play for. They are the more desperate team, obviously needing to stay alive and getting them with it with two and a half right here, especially um, like with what we talked about today, there's more likely chance than not that Ryan Tannehill plays. He's going to be rusty. He's not played in a while. Um, So I'm taking Seattle minus two and a half.
0: All right. With my third pick of the week 16 best bet gauntlet, it's time to fade the bears kids. I'm taking Arizona plus four for a couple of reasons. If you look at Chicago's again, another hot streak that requires context over the past month or so, their defense has forced 14 turnovers in the last four games. That's more than three a game. That's not sustainable. Kyler, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals part, as a a road dog in his career, he's 15 and four, 79 percent uh, with two pushes in his career. So that's a number that's an auto play for me. Arizona sneaky last week against San Francisco, a game in which they got beat by double digits. They actually outgained. The, the 49ers by 30 yards. And that one had over 400 yards of offense against this uh, San Francisco defense. And they scored 29 points in that game. Um, this is the top of the market for Chicago. I think that Arizona is better than folks are are letting on. And uh, for that reason, I think that the four is too big a number. This would again, like, like the San Francisco Baltimore game, it feels like a field goal game to me. Um, and so if you're going to give me a whole point over that field goal, I'm going to take the dog, give me Arizona plus four at the Chicago bears.
1: Yeah, I like that pick. with With my next pick, go into this Buffalo game, and you know when we bet Buffalo, we say when they when they are favored, they win big. Currently, the number is twelve and a half.
0: Did they win that big?
1: I don't think they win. I don't, that I big. don't think they win that big. I don't big. that. the The week after the Chargers lose by more than thirty five points to the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm taking the Chargers plus twelve and a half. Now, um, here's why. Once that
0: the- number may just get bigger. By the I, way, I, I think mean, talk about I, a game you yeah. might should wait to bet. Yeah. You might uh, get a flat 14 by
1: Sunday. So just chill on that one. He, he, here's, here's why I think that this is such an important number right here for this team. Um they're coming off a, a loss here where they fire their coach. Once again, this is a dead cat bounce. This, this is a um this is a team that I think gave up on Brandon Staley. They you haven't... think
0: that? I know that. <laughs> <Do you? Okay. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, actually watched that game. We were contractually yes. obligated to do so. Uh, and I know that that's what happened. So either
1: way, this is a team that now um, is looking to maybe prove something. They got absolutely disrespected by a team that I don't think is much better than they are last week. Now they're going to play a Buffalo Bills team, which I'm kind of minor selling on. It's kind of weird, right? Like I'm selling on this Buffalo Bills team this week.
0: You are selling the market value. You're not selling the team, but right? Also, you're selling. You're selling also, how high they I are may in the or market. May not
1: have put a little sprinkle on Bills to win the Super Bowl. Today. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. The
0: current market value is yeah. slightly too high that's all it so, is so
1: i'm playing both sides here with this Bills team, but this number is just too much um and the trends are here to back me up as well teams to lose by 20 plus the week before facing a team who 20 that's good for 59 <laughs> big home dog big home dogs um <laughs> of seven points that's an all that's more. an all-time one right 59, there i love 38 that eight and one against the spread 60.8 percent since 2022 and then this is the big one here for me teams as double digit underdogs after big losses last 20 years of 35 or more points 19 four and one against the spread i think this this buffalo bills team after of course coming off those three big games in their past three weeks and to come out a little flat in this one so i'm going to take easton stick and the Chargers with
0: the my points. My terrible at football namesake. I think you're right. I think this is a too big number. Um, with my fourth pick of the Week 16 Best Bet Gauntlet, taking a home division dog, give me Minnesota plus three. They are uh, at home against Detroit in this one. A couple of reasons why. First of all, a home division dog, always an autoplay, typically. Um, they are a much, much, much more desperate team. Minnesota is in this one. They are fighting for their playoff lives. Detroit pretty much already locked things up. Um I'm leaning heavily th- this handicap is leaning heavily on Brian Flores's defense and that heavy blitz rate that they have. Goff when you get him off his spot not very great when you look at the advanced efficiency metrics. He drops about 20 spots on snaps in which he's blitzed as opposed to snaps in which he's not. Uh, amongst quarterbacks this season. And then you look at some of the skill players that are starting to, to come back or break out. Ty Chandler starting to break out a little bit. You're going to have Justin Jefferson back, which is a big deal for them as success wise. And then Nick Mullins has got a week under his belt in this offense. So he can only get more comfortable in that regard. It's a big luck rankings mismatch here as well. Detroit, one of the top, I believe top five, maybe just top 10, but one of the top 10, at least, uh, teams in the luck rankings this season. Uh, the the Minnesota Vikings, for their part, a bottom ten team in in that uh, in that regard. So for all of those reasons, I think this is too big a number. Maybe in push territory here. would love to get the three in the hook by game day, but for now, I'll take Minnesota plus three at home against Detroit.
1: Yeah. With my next pick, we got to wrap this up soon because this game's about to start. I'm taking the oh, Los no. Angeles Rams minus four. Go bet it against, now. Uh, bet now, now, now. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, I got this one also locked in. It's now four and a half. I locked this in earlier at four. This is a classic. And, and if you follow me, I'm night over 19 games over 500. This is a classic. JT thinks sharps are dumb in this one. Um, last week, I disrespected the, the New Orleans Saints. They disrespected me right back, just (laughs) ruining my boy, Tommy DeVito. Tommy Cutlets, no! They are playing, I think they're playing, maybe the the quarterback that's on the most on fire right now, in Matt Stafford. He looks so impressive right now. So good, dude. And
0: nobody's watching, and Um, it's a shame because he's playing such good football. It's a shame. I
1: think this team is really putting it together. I don't think this L.A. defense is as bad as people think as no. well. Cooper Cup is finally looking like Cooper Cup again. Mm-hmm. And paired with Nakua, this team is able to score points on you. I think this is another spot here where New Orleans it just is the, is the worst team. And I think um, this L.A. team, even though they haven't gotten a really good quality win, they've still been beating these bad teams um, by a touchdown or more. So I like the Rams, and I'm going to take them minus four.
0: Yeah, fair and I mean I think this is a matchup between a team that is hoping to get into the playoffs and is absolutely not going to be a threat to anybody in New Orleans versus a team in the Rams who, at this point, I think a lot of teams in the NFC they
1: play. The, they could play the Eagles and they're, they're, they're hoping
0: to not see the Rams in the playoffs. They're a real threat um, and they've got guys on that team and a coach that can absolutely make some noise. So I like that bet a lot. With my fifth and final pick of the Week 16 best bet gauntlet, keeping it incredibly simple. JT, I was updating our season long metrics on success rate with certain teams uh, betting them this year. I was doing that earlier this week, and I realized I am 4-0 and betting on the Dallas Cowboys. And what have I done every single time I bet the Cowboys? I have said the same thing to open the handicap. This team does not play well against good teams. They have not beaten a good team all year. The closest they got was beating a banged-up uh, Philadelphia Eagles team in a game that was a scheduled loss for them. Not counting it, not counting it. Um, they just do this every single year, and this year is no exception. When they play bad teams, they beat up on them so much that you start to believe just to have your heart ripped out of your chest when they play a decent team, and this Miami Dolphins team is absolutely going to be looking for a win here to keep the, the red-hot Buffalo Bills off of their heels in uh, in the division. I think that they want it more. They're the home team. They're a slight home favorite. I just, am, it's it's as simple as Dallas can't beat good teams. I'm going to continue to fade them against good teams until they show me just once that they can do it. Give me Miami minus one.
1: Yeah, with my final pick in the week 16 best bank gauntlet, this is the grossest pick I think I've made all year. Personally, <laughs> I really think this is uh, such a gross one, but I think that it's the right side and I'm taking Tommy DeVito once again in the New York Giants taking them plus 13 and a half going to Philadelphia. This could be a total spot here where, where the Eagles finally get something right. But this team is just so out of sync right now.
0: I think you're either going to cover this easily or get blown out or it's your, yeah, your bet's going to be dead in the first seven minutes. Um, Yeah.
1: But, but I, I, it's just too many points for me, man. And maybe it gets to that full 14 and I'll be taking it there as well. But this is a Philadelphia team where there are, um, they're looking internally. They're not They're not focusing on the teams they're playing. They're focusing internally. We've heard all week the narrative that Jalen Hurts and, and this team is uh, focused on right now is that th- this team is just internally not executing. They're not focusing on this Giants team, and this Giants team is looking to maybe kind of ruin their season. This is another spot, like yeah. just like with the Titans against the Texans or Jags the next couple of weeks, this could be a, a spot where they tra- look to sabotage yep. a, a team like the Eagles, who are playoff hopefuls. I don't think last week was truly the 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 Giants uh, at at their at their worst, Um, but I I think this Giants team is going to be looking to bounce back against a divisional opponent and a divisional opponent at thirteen and a half playing a Philadelphia team that has looked not very good this season. I'm going to take the points.
0: All right. So in review of our week 16, best bet gauntlet JT rocking with the Steelers plus two and a half at home against Cincinnati, Seattle minus two and a half on the road at Tennessee, the chargers plus 12 and a half at home against the bills, the Rams minus four at home against new Orleans and the New York giants plus 13 and a half at Philly. I'm rocking with Baltimore plus five and a half at San Francisco, Atlanta minus two and a half at home against the Colts, Arizona plus four at Chicago, Minnesota plus three at home against Detroit and Miami minus one versus Dallas. Good luck to both of us. And with that, we have finished our show for this Thursday. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Just a quick scheduling note before you leave, we will be live Sunday afternoon as early after the game as we can possibly manage. We'll keep you updated on Twitter at Hot Read Pod. Make sure to follow that account so you know exactly when. But we'll be recapping immediately following or shortly immediately after the, the Titans play the Seahawks this Sunday on Christmas Eve. We'll have a, a, a at least some form of a recap show, maybe brief, maybe not, um, before everybody can, including ourselves, get to our Christmas Eve activities. Um, so it, look forward to that. I don't know if we'll have a Tuesday show. It's fifty-fifty. We'll certainly will be back next Thursday. So at the very least, look for us on Thursday. Uh, we'll keep you updated on what next week with the holidays looks like. But until then, that is our show. Again, come check out Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Follow us on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, at Hot Read Pod for all of your show content and information on when we go live. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Until Monday, until Christmas Eve, everybody enjoy your pre-Christmas weekend. Watch some good football. And for Producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you then.